Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land of the House of Sin and where the studios stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the land our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Hello and welcome back to Cricket by Dummies, the only show that's dumb enough that whilst the Ashes is going on, the Boxing Day test is sitting in a studio talking about it. Oh, yeah, there's we'd both rather not be here. No, let's be I, like, honest. I'm not going to lie, I quite enjoy doing this show, but guys, I want to watch the cricket right you now. You can't even stream stuff. the cricket, though. Isn't yeah, that you have to pay for it. Yeah, like, at least with the women's Ashes, you could watch it live yeah. and free. And we were literally watching it during <laughs> some of our shows, I'm not even going to lie. But no... Can't watch it, unfortunately, unless you got the TV on. And so what we've heard recently is that James Vince is out, LBW at the hands of Josh Hazelwood, off a ball that he apparently inside-edged and was shown on the replays. And, you know, what I've heard is that Alistair Cook really should have convinced him to review. But um, No. <laughs> no. So funny. <laughs> no. I am going to say this, though. The English team has got so many puns, like, oh, yeah. ready to be made on their name. I'm not going to go about them. You can figure them all out I yourself. don't know how many times I've read the headline, Cook is cooked. Yeah. Or Root is... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no. It's been a big week for us. Uh, Christmas happened a few days ago. Yeah, so, yeah. Just that casual thing that happens between the second, uh, third and fourth test every year. Yeah, it's just a casual thing. It's actually no big deal. Boxing Day is what matters, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. No, anyway, so... And it's the sales we worry about, not the test. The Boxing Day sales, right? Yeah, yeah. We're talking about the sales, out. getting up at 5am in yeah. the morning. No, I actually go out and buy myself a new pair of cricket gloves every, <laughs> every box. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be actually insane. <laughs> No, your yeah, your hand size. Isn't I'm that going dedicated too much. to Force Eleven cricket that I get up every Boxing Day <laughs> to go buy myself new cheap gloves. It's not like your gloves t- take much wear and tear anyway. No, You're they don't. The I really don't hold the bat very long. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so my parents decided this year to buy our family some like plastic stumps, right? They're uh, big bash league stumps and they actually light up when it hits the when the ball hits the stumps and they got like motion sensors. So it's kind of cool, right? And we thought this is a great present. However, there is a one slight problem with this. It also comes with like sound effects, right? Yeah. So when um, it hits the stumps, it says, how's that sort of thing, right? Except it's an Englishman saying it. <laughs> it's an English accent. And if there's one thing worse than getting out, it's getting out <laughs> and you're getting told you're out by an English accent. Oh, that's what you want to hear is you've, <laughs> you've just had middle stump knocked back and <laughs> an Englishman shouting at you, how's that one? <laughs> exactly. Or he's knocked him right over. And it's just like, I don't really want to hear that. Like, it's such a good gift in theory. But yeah. they, if Ricky Ponting or Adam Gilchrist... Or if Damien Fleming's going, oh, that's the doorway to departure right there. I am happy to get out. In fact, I will happily get out all the time. But I don't want an Englishman telling me I'm out. No, I think I would definitely be taking a cricket bat to that set of stumps quite quickly. Um, another story on stumps. I, a few years ago, got actually a set of stumps for Christmas. And it was like one of those really good sets of wooden stumps. And they're like, they've got springs on them. So whenever it hits the stumps, they bounce back. And I remember, I think it was the second time I ever used them. I was bowling to one of my mates in the nets. And he just missed a straight one and it hit middle stump. And it just broke a middle stump in half. 
<laughs> and like that's all well and good in a test match when you can replace the stumps in five seconds. So now I just have a set of stumps where off stump, leg stump, and then about a quarter of a middle stump in the middle. It just it looks so dorky. No, yeah, I've seen it before. You so essentially what you're promoting is don't bowl on middle stump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely don't bowl, don't middle bowl on middle skittle, <laughs> off stump. Yeah, or leg stump. Uh, the advantage of it being middle though is at least you like you can pretty much tell when it's hitting middle stump. Yeah. Whereas like if you lost one of off or leg, it's always like hmm, would that have hit? Big question. But when it's hitting middle, you're like, yeah, that went straight through the stumps. <laughs> like AFL umpires a signal goal and everything. <laughs> no, but then you can't put the bales on, can you? You can't put no. either of the bales. No, on. no bales on these stumps. <laughs> Gave <laughs> up on that a long time ago. <laughs> Oh, well, it's, anyway. been, it's been a big week in cricket, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and we've got a big show to cover what has been a massive week in cricket. Um, we've got the news to talk about. The um, news. The news that we always talk about every week. There's been a lot of international cricket, India, Sri Lanka, New Zealand, West Indies. We've been following those series for a while, as well as the new edition of a South Africa Zimbabwe series. Get excited, everyone. <laughs> oh, the oh, pinnacle no. of cricket this, isn't it? Man, oh I'm, just, I'm so keen. Also, we're going to be talking BBL. we got WBBL. we got men's BBL. And then finally, we're going to do a bit of Ashes slash Boxing Day story time. So very excited about that. But first, it's time for the news. So, India, Sri Lanka, the exact series we wanted to see. I'm just going <laughs> to say this. There are so many bad series going around in the world at the moment. Yeah. Like, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. The Australia-England one really <laughs> should have been a good series. I think that was kind of the point, is like when the ICC is booking the schedules, is they've looked at it and gone, okay, now's the time where you get rid of your South Africa, Zimbabwe's, your India, Sri Lanka's, and New Zealand, West Indies. Ones that are all going to be whitewashes because everyone's focused on the ashes, right? Yeah, because it's the biggest series in world cricket. Except for the fact that this has been a whitewash, and as a result of which, we're now watching four different whitewashes. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bright time for cricket, is it? No, it's been very one-sided. Um, Anyways, so... These well, two games... There's three Sorry, T20s. three games. Yeah, three T20s. Uh, so, India made 180 in the first T20 and Sri Lanka made 87. Just a very impressive 87. <laughs> Need I say more? It's, I it's one of the more impressive 87s you've seen. <laughs> is it? Yeah, look, there was some good bowling from the Indians. The Sri Lanka spent a lot of time getting themselves out. Um, one of the guys we talked about last week, uh, Chahal, the young leg spinner from India, um, he bowled really well again, took uh, another four wickets, four for 23 or four overs. I'll take that personally. Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> not a bad uh, set of figures. <laughs> and then the second T20 was, the margin wasn't as big, but it was kind of worse in a way. <laughs> yeah, so when their batting lineup collapsed in the first game, their bowling lineup basically said, hold my beer. <laughs> you, you reckon you collapse? <laughs> Let's have a look at what we can do. So in the 20 overs that the Indians batted in the second T20, they made 260 runs. Wow, that's so many. Oh, my God. That is... <laughs> Words cannot describe how big that is. That is actually borderline ridiculous. That's 13 yeah. runs and over. That's more than two runs a ball. That is crazy stuff. Um, one of the favourites on the Cricket by Dummy show here is uh, Rohit Sharma. He added another 2020 century next to his name, 118 or 43 balls. It included he the equal... cruising. Yeah, <laughs> included the equal fastest T20 century in international cricket. Um, the record in domestic competitions is a bit faster. Gail, I know, has done it in like 27 or something. Um, as well as the fact that Rahul hit 89 or 49. But my favourite part was we talked about this guy a few weeks ago when he bowled 10 over in an ODI match and went for 100 and that is one of my favourites Fernando the Sri Lankan quick he bowled four overs took two wickets went for 61 the two wickets almost makes it worse though because that means those were two dots yeah. <laughs> which means so, that of the other 22 deliveries he's gone for 61, 61. <laughs> ouch oh, yeah look 
not the greatest day at the office for him. I'm sure he will uh, be losing a bit of sleep over that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think his um, his stock price in the IPL has gone up over the last few weeks. No, I'm sure he's going to have some trouble at the selection table at some point. Definitely. Um, Chalank actually made 172 in response to that. It's actually, you know, did themselves some justice after their horrible performance in the first game. Um yeah, but the game Pereira. was already over. It was already over. Tassari Pereira hit 77 off 37 just to prove that he's still okay. And the final game... So we had 260 v 170 in the second game. The final game, Sri Lanka bats first and you just know it's not going to be anywhere near <laughs> that many runs. You just cue it in to be over in about an hour and a half and that's what it was. Sri Lanka made 7 for 135 and India chased it down. 539 never really looked in trouble. Yeah, Honestly, what Sri Lanka should do is just always, if they win the toss, bowl first. <laughs> just to keep the interesting cricket up so that at least it's a high-scoring affair. Yeah, definitely. Um, of that game, right, and this is actually a scale of how low those totals were, the highest score by any of the batsmen was 36. Ooh. Oh, geez, that's, that's, that's what you got to say. One considering, like Sharma made 118 in the game before. Exactly. Um, onto the New Zealand West Indies series now. West Indies. I just said that in the New Zealand accent <laughs> without well, even doing that go. on purpose. Um, we've had two ODIs since we've been gone. In the first game, New Zealand made six for 325. And what are the West Indies going to do? You know, they're going to make a fighting total 325. I mean, it's it's a lot, but it's not massive. It's chaseable. It's definitely chaseable it, in the small grounds in New Zealand. Definitely. And the West Indies went out and made a very very impressive 121. <laughs> <laughs> Only matched by the even more impressive in the second game, 9 for 99. Oh my God. This is just... Cricket is just... They're so bad, the West Indies. Like, they are actually so bad. They were 5 for 9 at one point in the oh, 9 no. for 99. 5 for 9. And I felt so bad for them. if you had five wickets of your own, so yeah. you had to get out five times to be properly out, do you think you could make nine runs? Against Bolt? Well, not against how Bolt was bowling, to be fair. If I just stuck my bat in front of, like, middle and off stump, I reckon, like, just through edges, they'd probably make more than nine runs. <laughs> five times, not once, but five times, I Yeah, reckon. but that one time it hits your toe and it oh, breaks I'm your just foot. Like, I just literally start crying on the field. <laughs> I'm just like lying on the ground crying, like curled up in a ball. Oh, that would be terrifying. Yeah, just as much chance of hitting the ball curled up in a ball <laughs> as you uh, do standing up. It's so. Scott Sterling. Oh, go out and watch Scott Sterling, people. That's a, that's a great reference. Um, speaking of Bolt, uh, he had a pretty good two ODIs in those two games. The first one taking 7 for 34 as he completely oh, rolled. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's just, just an average 7 for 34 as he rolled through the West Indies top water. The second game, he took 3 for 18, including a few in the first few overs. I know you were particularly excited about one of the wickets in that first game. Well, there was like a video from cricket.com.au great guys by the way Um, just like watch at 35 seconds for the ball and there was like one ball at like 34 seconds I'm like is this the ball because this is an absolute gem and then it gets to 35 seconds and there's just one that's even better. I'm like oh my goodness gracious. (laughs) It is one of the best balls you will see. Yeah, it's an absolute peach of a Yorker. Unplayable. Yeah, I just felt sorry for the batsman. Yeah. Like he's come in it's like four for nine and then Bam, five yeah. for nine. And especially as the, the top few, Gale included, were all throwing their wickets away, getting caught in the ring field. And then you come in and get that, and you're like, screw you guys. I could have actually done something. <laughs> you could have faced that delivery. I didn't want to face that. And I, I didn't the... even have my pads on yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we talk about uh, Jason Holder as one of our favourites on the show. I love the fact that he goes out there and goes, we're five for nine. I refuse to be the West Indian captain who has the team get a roll for 20. Screw it. And he just goes out there and smashes two bandages off the next over and says, it won't be me. It'll happen eventually, but it's not going to be me. <laughs> yeah, he's like, 
I'm not. I don't care if we don't bat the entire overs. We just got to score runs. <laughs> yeah, we got to get more than thirty. <laughs> yes, and yeah, he got thirty-four himself, which essentially was a third cut, of their innings. Yep, that was a third of their innings, and it was thirty-four. Not the most impressive oh, score geez, to be a third just, of I'm your innings. So disappointed by the West Indies. They've completely gone to hell. Anyway, final game in our international section. It is the South Africa versus Zimbabwe game, <laughs> oh and man, gosh. this is just clash of the titans, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, yeah, they're really... Like, these are the two best sides in world cricket at yeah. the moment. The South Africans are famous, you know, Dale Stain, Werner Philander, Mwane Morkel, Kagisa Rabada, best bowlers in world cricket, and then um, the Zimbabweans have... Um, Jarvis. Jarvis, yeah, Jarvis. What are, what are, the, what are the other names? Have you, do you know any of the other names? Uh, of the Zimbabweans? Yeah. Not off the top no. of my head. <laughs> it's I a call, really formidable lineup. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'd like to think I'm a nerd about cricket, but really, yeah. Zimbabwe's a little stretch. No, South Africa, it's actually a four-day test, which is an interesting one. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? Because you watch the Sheffield Shield and their four-day games. Um, I, What I do like about the four-day Sheffield Shield games is it, it does force them a little bit more to try a bit more especially when the bowling um, forces you to go well we can't just let them settle in here we've got to do more to get wickets um, and I kind of like that I'll be curious to see how it plays out here um, I'm more I don't think this will even go to the full four days because I think we're all expecting I mean Zimbabwe are already four for 30 in their first innings having um, South Africa declared at 9-309 I don't think they'll be making 300 runs across both innings so I don't think we'll be uh, seeing too much play on the fourth day if there is any at all. Yeah, it's just interesting because it does force like more declarations the four days. But then if a team is, say, 1-0 up in the series and there's two tests to go, it's a lot easier to draw the series yeah. if they're only four days, which is what I like about five days. Because if you play defensive, then you're still opening yourself up to not win as such. Yeah, as we saw in Amazing Adelaide so many years ago. Um, I'm real. I'd be really worried if I was the Zimbabwean uh, batting order right now. They're four for thirty. Warhol lit them up um, last night. He took three for twenty in a few overs, and he just looks so dangerous when he gets that ball pitched up and swinging. You just look at these Zimbabwean batsmen and go, "Oh, you guys are not ready for this." No, it, it was under night conditions as well with the pink ball. Yep. It's the first day night test in South Africa, actually. So he's liking it. I'm sure Mornay Morkel's going to be campaigning for more day-night tests. Yeah, I think it suits him. We're going to be back with the BBL after a classic song from Fleetwood Mac. This is Landslide. That was Fleetwood Mac Landslide. You're here on scene 90.7 FM with Cricket by Dummies. And Alex, one of our favourites, our absolute favourites on the Cricket by Dummies show. Molly Strano had a good week in the WBBL this week, didn't she? She had a fantastic week. Two very strong games. We'll get to the second one later. But in the first game, uh, she took three for second team. Uh, tr- <laughs> oh, gee, that was poor. That was real poor. I'm just going to cop. I'm just going to cop it for that one. Three for 16. Three for 16 as the Renegades bowled out the heat. Uh, nine runs short of the required 134 to win. She's had a pretty okay start to the uh, WBBL season. And three wickets in this game and two later on has shown that she really is among the elite bowlers in the competition. I believe this week as well, because the ICC uh, Women's Team of the Year came out, I believe she was in that as well. I believe there was five Australians in there. I can look that up in a second, but I believe she made the, the best team of the year. She had a fantastic WBBL last season. 
and has been really good in the short form. So I wouldn't be surprised if she did make it. Um, on to the next game, and it was the Sixers v. the Hurricanes. And there are a lot of low scores this week. This was among them. The Hurricanes rolled for 98 at the hands of a strong all-round bowling performance from the Sixers. They had wickets all-round before. Elise Perry hit 41, and Burns hit 48, not out, as they chase it down with nine wickets in hand. Very comfortable win there. And geez, this is the, the collapses keep continuing. This yeah. heat game that we're going to talk about next, this is as bad as it gets. Yeah, the heat got bowled for 66. Like Ouch. 66. Yeah. Like they didn't have any uh, holder coming out and being like, no, I'm not going to be the captain <laughs> that gets bowled, rolled for a low score. The pitch was definitely an interesting pitch, though, I've heard. The Eddie Had Stadium pitch can yes, be interesting that, at times. They, they had the men's game on afterwards as well, mm. and that wasn't particularly high scoring either. No, they were rolled out for 66, and then young gun Sophie Molyneux uh, chased it down easily, essentially by herself. <laughs> she scored 45 not out of 37 balls. So of the 67 that they needed to win, she did it almost basically herself. Pretty impressive stuff. Um the next game, Elise Solani smashed an unbeaten 84 night out. She's had a fantastic last few weeks in the WBBL, um, along with Nicole Bolton, fellow Australian, who hit 67. To see the Scorchers chase down Lisa Lee's led Stars, she hit 76 off 62 balls. The Stars have made a pretty decent uh, 163, and this was, I think, among the highest scores in first innings across the week. And you would have thought, gee, this they could actually have a good shot at defending this. And, I mean... Elise Fellani and Nicole Bolton just look completely unfazed by the Stars' bowling attack. Yeah, imagine having those two at the start of your batting <laughs> lineup. Like, they essentially open players. for Australia, yeah. and the Scorchers are just like, well, aren't we lucky to have them? We don't actually need uh, bot- batsmen. We're just going to have two, <laughs> them two, and then nine bowlers. Yeah, I, I, it's a very strong top order for the Scorchers. Um, they've had a pretty good season so far, but the top of the table as we stand about halfway through the season is the Sixers, uh, closely followed by the Led Strikers. Led by Elise Perry. Yeah, no no shockers that uh, <laughs> their their opening combination is Alyssa, Healer and, Alyssa Healy and Elise Perry, two of the best batsmen in the competition. Uh, the Strikers and Thunder are bo- both close behind. The Strikers, we've talked about, have a really strong bowling attack. Amanda Jade Wellington has been really good with them, as has Megan Shute. Um, meanwhile, at the bottom of the table, Melbourne Stars just cannot win a game at the moment, as can the Hurricanes, who we also talked about struggle this week. Both of them are winless four games in. You know the Stars are actually winless across both, like male and female. The men's Stars are 0-2 as well, and I think, <laughs> what are they, 0-4 now? 0-4, yeah. Yeah, that's just... It's just not great, great for the Stars franchise, yeah, isn't it? The, the Stars franchise, everyone's favourite, your favourite <laughs> franchise, uh, not going so well. Um, shall we move into the Big Bash? One day we will have an actual argument about whether or not the Stars are a team or just a corporation designed to make money. Because <laughs> I, I stand by any team that hires Shane Warne to play in a BBL game is just a corporation trying to make money. Uh, let's talk BBL yeah, now. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> Heat v Scorchers. The Heat made seven for 260. With a couple of the lesser-known lights making big runs in this game, Alex Stross made 51 and Joe Burns made 50. Uh, Baz chipped in with 40, and of course Chris Lynn's still out. As the stars fell close, thanks to a 99-run um, innings from Marcus Stoinis, that including was, getting run out. Yeah, that was just one of the most ridiculous performances you're ever going to see in a losing side. Comes out, gets three wickets. Yeah, it's just like, well, he's had a pretty good night. Nope, it's not over. He comes out, and the stars have collapsed. And the run rate is at like 10, 11 at the point or at this point already. And he's just like, he comes out there and straight from the moment he's out there, he's just bang, bang, bang. One of the greatest innings. So sad to see him run out. But 
oh, well, it happened in the last over and they needed the runs. And it's not like he was sitting on my fantasy bench. What? Neither. Oh, Don't even get me started oh, that on was that. 198 we... points he got. 198 points. That's crazy. Let's not talk about our fantasies. <laughs> it's not going so well. Um, another point of interest from this game was um, James Faulkner has actually been promoted back up the order, as we've seen. He used to be considered like one of the best finishing men in the Big Bash, and then the last few years, his batting for both Australia and the Stars has really fallen off. Promoted back up the order after a good preseason. He's batting at six in the Stars' season. Started out well, hit 47 off 38 balls, and looks like he might be close to his best. Yeah, it's a good start to the season for him. Always good to see him playing well. Now, the Hurricanes and the Renegades have also played. Uh, the Hurricanes came out, they made three for 164. A pretty good total. Uh, you would think, and then the Renegades chased that down quite comfortably. Uh, White got 79 off 59 in what's been a good start to the season for him, two half centuries. Yeah, he looks in completely solid, Nick. Um, it just really makes fun of the Sheffield Shield system. The fact that he wasn't selected in the Victorian side was an absolute joke. Like, he just one of the best batsmen going around at state level cricket right now, and the fact that he's not playing regular Shield games is crazy. Um, the other highlight, of course, was uh, Darren Bravo's final over of the Hurricanes innings. He took three wickets in that final over and ended up with figures of 5 for 28 across his four overs. His first five wicket haul in T20s, I believe, and he's played so many of them. Yeah, and it was actually good um, for him as well because the last time he was at Etihad Stadium, he just, to be fair, just destroyed his knee. Yeah. Um, or was it the hamstring? Um, yeah, I think hamstring. No, yeah, he pulled the hamstring pulled straight the hamstring. off the bone. And yeah. he actually said going into the game that, you know, was playing with his mind and there was going to be some mental demons. But to come out and put out a performance like that's really good for him. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be very happy. In the next game, the Strikers defeated the Thunder. They made six for 163 in their first innings and the Thunder never really got going in response. Alex Carey, top scorer for the Strikers, opening the batting as he tries to put his case forward for... Should Tim Payne ever be dropped for some reason, which I really doubt it, uh, he made 44 of 26 balls and looked real good. Um, one of the highlights again is the young guy we talked about him last week, Karen Nair, the off spinner. He took three wickets again as he continues to be just the biggest gem going around in fantasy right now. <laughs> yeah, 30k. Uh, I'll splash on that any day. And the next game was the Sixers versus the Scorchers in what was a grand final rematch, I believe, from last season. Yes, both sides made the grand final, and it was pretty one-sided in the end. Um, <laughs> never Sixers never really got going in their innings. Nick Maddinson's 31 was the best they ever really got. But the highlight in this game was, of course, Andrew Ty's hat-trick to finish the game. He took three wickets and lost balls of the game to give himself four for 21 across the game. And we'll talk about a few of his more wickets later on. But he's had a ridiculous good start to the BBL. Yeah, he's been absolutely on fire. Don't even get me started as a Stars <laughs> fan for what he did the other night. Anyways, the Renegades and the Heat have also played. The Renegades came out and made a pretty lackluster 8 for 132. Um, sorry, that was the Heat that made 132. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. The Heat came out and made 132. Uh Alex Ross top scored with a slow 48. It wasn't really... <laughs> no, it wasn't particularly far. They never really got their innings going. And what was interesting, in a um, really strong Renegades bowling lineup, um, the likes of Bravo and Hogg, who both bowled well, the shining light was actually young gun Jack Wildermuth, who came across from the heat this season. Um, a really good bowling all-rounder. Bats at seven, usually, from the Renegades as well. He took three for 16 in four overs and looked very dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it's always good to see young talent playing well. He's been doing pretty well in the Sheffield Shield this year as well. And then uh, the Renegades chased it down easily. Cooper with a half century and Cam White, as we said before. 
great start to the tournament for him. And then let's not talk about the Scorchers <laughs> versus the Stars. So the game last night, I thought was great fun. <laughs> I can imagine that as a Stars fan, you weren't particularly excited. Uh, they held the Scorchers to what seemed at the time like a pretty pretty small total of 6 for 142. Some excellent um, batting from Hilton Cartwright dragged them across the line after... Um, who took the wickets? Uh, there was a spread of wickets. Spread of wickets? Around. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was it was a pretty good all-round bowling performance. Zampa bowled well. Hastings bowled well. Boland bowled well. Um, Faulkner bowled really well, bowled yep. really well as well. Um, they bowled really well across the board. And you're thinking, wow, all this... They've got this incredible batting lineup. You know, Hans comes back in the side. Quiney's back in the side. They should really just be strolling to this 142. That's not that much to get. And that's not what happened. <laughs> no. You think, like, they've got Mitchell Johnson. Oh, yeah, he's going to take all the wickets. They've got Jaya Richardson. If Johnson doesn't take them all, he'll take them all. Oh, yeah. no, they've got David Willey as well. <laughs> if they don't take the wickets, he will. No, 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 They no, really no. have so many bowlers. I know. It's, it's such a good attack. It's ridiculous. But, no, uh, Andrew Ty comes out and just... I'm not even going to, like, hide the fact. He got five for 23. So, in two BBL games a season, he's bowled eight overs and taken nine wickets. He's nine for 44, which has not his bad. average below five. It's below five. I, that's 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 better than my batting average. Yeah, I know. I was about to say that. <laughs> you know you're in trouble when, uh, yeah, bowling average I actually would be surprised if it's better than his batting average as well. <laughs> he's not a very good batsman, AJ Ty. No, he, he bats is a fantastic bowler. 10 though. or 11 for yeah. a reason. Yeah, 5 for 23, just ridiculous. And the Stars just couldn't get any momentum going whatsoever. Faulkner put in a valiant 47, I believe. But no, never got anywhere near. Uh, nice to see Cricket Badami's favourite, Rob Quiney, back. He took two catches in this game, and that was just about all he contributed to the game, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, he ran himself out. He was looking okay, but no, he was about, what, a metre or two short. He that was just, an excellent throw, that one. Yeah, but he just doesn't have the same spring in his steps no, as he did once upon a time. That does happen when you turn 38, though. <laughs> True, and you've retired from all forms of cricket bar the Big Bash League. Uh, there was one thing I actually heard during the week about the Renegade side is they actually have seven players in their lineup older than 30 and two players in their lineup older than 40 because they have 42-year-old Brad Hodge and 46-year-old Bradley Hogg. And you just think, wow, that is... I mean, they're two for two so far. That is such an experienced lineup, and I wonder if that's making such a difference. We know Cameron White, former Australian T20 captain. I mean, he's had an excellent start. Are they the team to beat, do you think? They've started off really well, a bit better than I thought they would have. Uh, the Stars are definitely not the team to beat. Um, no, they could be the team to beat, yeah. Them and the, I think the Scorchers are a, a little above everyone else just because of what they've still got to come back into their batting lineup. Yes, if they do get some return. They saw Klinger back this week um, in the second game, but it'll be curious to see if they can get you know Whiteman and a couple of the others back as well. Sean Marsh should come back. If he gets dropped from Australia, which I don't think he will. He's like, no, he had another decent 60 day. Later in the season, we will see, won't we? We'll find out when the ODI side comes out. We are going to come back with some Ashes story time soon. But first, we will have a bit of Shepherd. This is Coming Home. That was Shepherd Coming Home. You're here on Sid 90.7 with Cricket by Dummies. Now, Alex has failed to allude to the fact that we actually have an Ashes segment as well of our show. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Is the Ashes happening? Ash- uh, I thought they were. Was right, it, is it, just are the Ashes going on? Hang on, wait, England batting right now. They're definitely not two for 120 and probably going to win this one. No, they're definitely not. No, so... I'm in complete denial at the moment. <laughs> anyway, so we do actually have a little Ashes segment for the couple of days of action that have happened thus far. Anyways, um, so Australia came out, they uh, won the toss and they batted. 
which is always a smart thing to do on the MCG. Because and what looked like, in particular, a very flat deck early Boxing Day morning. It looked like an MCG-esque pitch, yeah. if you could say so. Uh, and, well, before the game, the big talking point was Smith's record at the MCG. Is He's averaging 120, was it? Yeah, so um, in the last three years, up until this test, uh, he hadn't been dismissed by a team. So in those two games, he'd made um, a series against the West Indies where he made 190 and 70 not out. And then last year against Pakistan, he made 140 not out. And so when he was batting, when it was stumps yesterday, when he was 60 not out, um, he hadn't actually um, been dismissed since at a test in the MCG since 2014 against India, where in that test, he made 192 and like 15 or something. But <laughs> so is. If you take his average over the last four years at the MCG, he's gotten out twice and made something like 500 runs. <laughs> That's just a slightly impressive record. <laughs> yeah, so he's averaging about 270-odd at the MCG over the last four years, which is, you know, that's okay. It's decent. It's not quite as good as Bradman, but... <laughs> he can work on it. I'm sure there's something he can improve with that. Yeah, the, some of the stats there were crazy. The big highlight was, of course, David Warner's uh, century. He hit 103 before being dismissed by James Anderson. However, the real controversy actually came about five balls beforehand when young Tom Curran uh, took his wicket on 99. He bowls him a pretty average ball outside off. Dave Warner just kind of half pokes at it. He's thinking, oh, should I hit this over the infield? Should I not? And he just ends up scooping it into the air where it's caught and English fans go nuts. Young Tom Curran, I'm so excited for this kid. Wicket on debut and there's just one problem. It's a no ball. Oh, no. You My honestly couldn't have written this better if you were like trying is, to humiliate yeah. the kid. <laughs> it's his first ever wicket, and he got David Warner on ninety nine. He yeah. should be. He would be stoked. And then he's just bowled stoked. a no ball. Oh my God, you're terrible <laughs> with the English puns today. Anyways, his foot was literally on the line. It was so close to having some of it behind the line, but not quite. But it's interesting because they make a whole debacle out of the no ball. Like there was a good minute that we were sitting there waiting. And it's like, I don't know about you, but I feel like it'd be easier for the third umpire to review every delivery um, for whether it's a no ball or not. Like, immediately. Like, don't even bother waiting. Just do it immediately. Don't even have the... Maybe not even have the field umpires look for no balls anymore. Maybe have that be a third umpire um, sort of deal because, like, the umpires should be focusing more on where the actual delivery goes. And they seem to be missing lots of them anyway because they've got a lot more incentive to miss it. Um because they've got the third umpire who's going to delay it by like a minute. I don't yeah, know. No, I'm with you. I, I think it's something that needs to be changed. It was like when we brought in the um, third umpire for runouts and stumpings, it was, there was a controversy around that. Now everyone goes, yeah, that's 100% accurate. We, we, we have a nice side on angle. We can, we can tell. It's okay. We can tell. Um, other talking points in the test is things are going really well for Australia. They were three for 260-ish this morning, um, looking pretty good. Smith was 70 or not out. Sean Marsh had just made his 50. You're thinking, wow, they're going to stroll along and it'll be just like last test. And then Australia actually did in England. <laughs> they lost seven for 67 this morning, including the valuable wickets of the captain himself and Sean Marsh. Um, does this give you a little bit of fear about the fragility of Australia's lower order? Yeah, well, it's... 
interesting because Stark's out of the side, and it, now the tale reads Bird Cummins, uh, Lion Hazelwood. And it goes from having Cummins and Stark, who are two genuine all rounders, uh, bowling all rounders, bowling all rounders, yep. and then having like Hazelwood and Lion, who can throw the bat around too, not really having anything. And the fact is, they had no batsmen to bat with them today. So, like, they just weren't making any runs. Like, even if they hung around for a couple of overs, the scoreboard was just going nowhere. So, yes, the lower order isn't as good as it is with Stark in the team, perhaps. I don't think it's a criticism, though. You, <laughs> you shouldn't have to expect bowlers to come out and make 50s every innings. Especially when the top order has let them down again, as they have done so often um, in the past. One of the ones under pressure is Usman Kawaja. There's a lot of talk about him does he deserve to keep his place in the side? But I feel like people are not really uh, looking at Cameron Bancroft, who has made the same amount of runs as Mkwaja over the series so far. They've both made 150 runs and an average of 30. Um, do you think of these two players, which one of them is under more pressure? Surely it has to be Bancroft, because he's just coming into the side and he was picked on form, whereas Kawaja has staked his claim in this side, at least within Australia. He's had huge summers in the past. He's proven that he can do it in Australia at test level. And he's at number three, which is arguably the toughest position to bat because um, you just have to be so flexible in all situations, whereas Bancroft was making his double hundred in Western Australia um, in the Sheffield Shield that got him into the side, and he hasn't really given too much since. He made a nice 70-odd in uh, Brisbane, but not much apart from that. I would actually argue the opposite. Um, I think Kawaja's under more pressure because exactly the opposite reason why you think Kawaja's safe, and that's because Kawaja has proven to be successful batting at three in Australia, but he's also proven to be a failure. And I think um, unless we see a sharp turnaround in form from him over the next few months, um, he's going to be deemed to have been not terrible, but just average. And they don't think... I don't think the selectors think average is good enough for a number three, and so I think he's going to fall by the wayside. Whereas Cameron Bancroft is yet to have had enough time to be proven to have failed yet. So I think he's going to get a bit more time to prove that he's not good enough, if you get what I mean. Okay. Yeah, 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 I get that. I just think there's more um, a wider selection of openers in Australian cricket at the moment, whereas we don't have many genuine number threes. Of course, you can throw Sean Marsh in there, but he's doing... That so would be what I would do. <laughs> but he's doing so well at number six at the moment that I'm But he not... just moved to five. And now that he has glasses, he's a really good batsman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely like that stat still continues... Not stat, but that piece of information still continues to astound me is... Sean Marsh is a really good batsman now. Like, bat him at three. <laughs> He's just... Yeah. I, I'm completely shifted Sold on this. On the idea. Yeah, I, I was not a Sean Marsh fan, and now I am. Is Now the fact that he can see the ball, I'm 100% in. Bat him at three. Kawaja's okay. out for me. I'm, I'm done with Kawaja. Well, speaking of things I'm a fan of, <laughs> Hugh Jackman in the commentary <laughs> box. Big fan of that. <laughs> Wolverine himself. Yeah, like, they got him in a few commentary boxes yesterday. Uh, it was actually a dream come true for him as well, bucket list tick. But, like, he's actually interesting to listen to. I don't know if it's just because it's a different voice or because he actually has a bit of life left in him. But, like, honestly... <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, I, that's a tough call. Yeah, yeah. Like, Bill Laurie is, like, a really sick man. That's, that's, like, oh, that's such on. a dark thing to say. Oh, you know I didn't mean that. No, but... It was nice hearing a refreshing, excited, and enthusiastic voice as such. Yeah, good good strategy, Chuck. Take aim at the dying people. <laughs> They're really the ones that can fight back. 
Anyway. Thanks for painting me like that, Alex. I also very much enjoyed Hugh Jackman's commentary. Oh, did you now? <laughs> that it was good fun. I, uh, I liked you also am thoroughly unimpressed by the variety in the Channel 9 commentary box. It's just a whole bunch of 60-year-old white men as two young white men talk to each other here in a studio. Um, we're definitely the right people to be judging the white men. Um, I would like to see more people, a more diverse array of opinions. Um, we've seen Mel Jones over the last few weeks in the uh, BBL and really enjoy having her around just because she provides a different perspective. Um, and that's one of the few reasons I actually like listening to Michael Vaughan when he's in there is, you know, somebody that's got a different perspective. And I agree. Hugh Jackman, despite the fact he's not actually a cricket commentator, is so different from what they actually have that I was genuinely entertained for a while. Yeah. However, the one difference between us being two white men doing it and them is people actually want to watch the cricket however they're forced to watch that whereas people <laughs> yeah. don't want to listen to us and so, so they they're just not forced tune out. To yeah. yeah exactly so we're not actually like being an indictment <laughs> on their life <laughs> if you want to listen to anything other than two white men speak there are a lot of other shows on sin feel free to enjoy them in which you would experience non-white men talking um speaking of white men tom curran <laughs> young english debutant um I very much enjoyed watching him bowl over the last few days. He was unlucky not to get Warner, got the valuable wicket of Smith, and something you've noticed is his variety of slow balls that he's used. What have you been thinking of that? Yeah, so, like, it was maybe one and over for a while. He was just bringing out the slow ball, and it's, like, it's much more effective in the short game because if you're trying to slog it and you're through your shot too early, of course, you just sky it, whereas in tests you're not trying to slog it. But, like, it genuinely confused some of the batsmen. Like, you look at, like, there was one today to... um. I believe it was Sean Marsh, and he bowled it around the wicket, and it was like a full toss down leg side, that but it ended up being like a Yorker, and Sean Marsh just had no idea about <laughs> it. Because it, when it comes out the hand, it looks like it's just going to be a waist-high full toss, and then it just dips. Um, and like you could even bring out like the James Faulkner top spinner. But anyways, the point is, it's a nice variation. It just keeps the batsman thinking. It's like the bouncer. Like The bouncer is kind of a wicket-taking delivery, but it's more like intimidatory. That's how you say it, right? Yeah. Um, it's more to just get the batsman on edge and just let them know that not every ball is going to be good length outside off stump. I totally agree. And that's what I think the most important thing about the slower ball is. It's not even actually the slower ball. It's the fact that if you're expecting a slower ball, that when the quicker ball comes in, you're not reacting in time. And it's exactly that same with the bouncer, is if you're expecting a bouncer, as the English batsmen so often are in this series, when they actually get that full one, is they're, they're slow on it. They're late to react because it's the waiting for the bouncer, waiting for the bouncer. Oh, that one's actually full. i got to go forward. And by that point, it's already too late. Yeah, it's just a variation. It's not the slow ball isn't meant to be the wicket taking delivery. It's just meant to keep the batsman thinking about something other than the next ball. He seems like a talented young bowler. I'll be interested to see what he's got in uh, games to come. Um, we're going to have a little bit of Miley Cyrus here on the show. This is, you know, just one of those classic songs that everyone <laughs> needs to hear once in a while. This is her famous song, "Wrecking Ball." Speaking of wrecking balls, that was the English bowling lineup this morning uh, with wrecking ball. It's not actually Miley Cyrus that did the song anymore. It's actually uh, the English. What bowling you lineup. actually heard just then was the dulcet tones of James Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you? We all want to listen to uh, James Anderson Stuart Broad uh, singing wrecking I'd ball. Love to, I'd love to hear them sing a duet. That'd be great fun. Oh my god! And yeah, it's wrecking ball. <laughs> that would be great fun. Um, the 
wrecking ball I was actually thinking that we could segue to was Shane Warne. Oh. Shane Warne, the wrecking ball, that is uh, one of our stories for our story time this week. Yes, yeah, so we're bringing story time back this week. It's It's been a while. It's I've, been a little while. It's been two or three weeks, I think. Yeah, I've missed it. Yeah. Anyways, so we're going to do some Boxing Day tests. Not necessarily Ashes. Mine happens to be Ashes. Mine um, does not. Glad you said that. <laughs> Thanks for your input. Just clarifying <laughs> for the people out there. <laughs> no, so this week I'm going to talk about Shane Warne's hat-trick back in 1994 at the MCG. One of the better hat-tricks you'll ever see. Not that there's such thing as a bad hat-trick. You know, I, I hate it when I'm watching a hat-trick and I'm just thinking, wow, what a bad hat-trick. This is just such terrible bowling. <laughs> Half of the T20 hat-tricks are like that, to be fair, though. They're oh, all just caught on. on the boundary. Yeah, but like th- to have them caught on the boundary and not hit over the fence is the success in the first place. Ty's yeah. a really good short-form bowler. Yes, he is. Anyways, not to get too distracted from story time. Maybe this is what we haven't done for a while. <laughs> we actually planned to do it, and we just kept segueing away from it. Anyways, uh, Shane Warne in 1994, bowling against England. Obviously, it was the Ashes at the time. It's the second test, which... It's interesting, things were a little different back then, and it's the second innings for England. They're chasing a mountainous total there. The match is already over, essentially, but Shane Warne's like, that doesn't mean I can't do my thing. And he hasn't taken a wicket for the second innings yet. Took six in the first innings, and he waltzes up to uh, Defritas, who's facing his fourth ball, and just gives him an absolute gem (laughs) of a top spinner for the first one. Uh, Hits the pad. Um, It's just going to clip off stump. I think these days he might have referred it. <laughs> but back in those days... Given yeah. the old T to Billy Bowden. <laughs> yep. But these days, uh, those days, I mean, uh, he was out and he had to walk. Not that walking to Shane Warne was the worst thing in the world. There is much worse bowlers you could get out to. There were quite a few people over the years that were forced to walk to Shane Warne. Yeah, a couple of hundred. <laughs> uh, you could have walked to Damien Fleming in this match. who got two wickets. So if you're walking that to Shane That would have been a Warne, lot more embarrassing. Yeah. I feel like that's actually something you could tell your grandchildren. It's like, I actually got out bowled by Shane Warne once. Whereas, like, you're not going to go to your grandchildren and say, you know, I got out to Damien Fleming once. Yeah, you see that guy that keeps saying the guy, yeah, the guy that keeps saying like the corridor of uncertainty on the big bash. You say, oh yeah, he got me out once. (laughs) Exactly. So he comes out, gets him. There's the first one. Uh, The match is just getting closer to its resolution. Essentially, there's nothing big about it. But wait, he gets another wicket. Uh, Next ball to. Go or Goff? I don't actually know how Goff? I feel like it's Goff. Yeah, I feel like it's Goff. Uh, I've obviously done my research. <laughs> no, got next ball to Goff. He uh, just, you know, pushes that one that's just spinning about a foot. And it's just the wrong idea and edges it straight to the keeper. And he's out and all of a sudden he's on a hat trick. And, like, the MCG's buzzing. It's his home ground, obviously. And a seemingly boring end to a test match has turned into anything but. <laughs> and Shane Warne walks up to Malcolm... And Malcolm's probably just like, he is not. His pants have changed colour, definitely, at some point. And Shane Warne's on a hat-trick, and he bowls it, and it's a top spinner. It's pitched on about middle, and it's just kicked up and hit the glove. And David Boone, it's his birthday, he's that short leg, and he goes full stretch to his right and gets it about an inch off the ground, and one of the best catches of all time, really. Yeah, um, in particular, you, short leg. It's a... It's a common one in the classic catches segment that uh, Channel 9 do. They had it's, it on this week for this test. Yeah, I, I'm totally not going to say that was my inspiration <laughs> for this segment. <laughs> no, I didn't steal this from them. No. <laughs> no, and uh, one of the best catches you ever see on his birthday. 
he was giving out all the presents. Um, <laughs> There's something about birthdays in cricket. Yeah, like we Peter talked about Siddle. Peter Siddle's hat trick on his birthday. Hat tricks and ago. birthdays. Yeah, it's just something special about it. Anyway, so that was one of the better Ashes Test match moments at the Boxing Day. Definitely, I wish I'd been alive to see that one. Um, my story is not a story from a. Uh, famous sense it's more of a personal story of some shenanigans that have occurred wait 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 so this one hasn't been like published anywhere no no no, 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 no. so no this one's is... heard this before this is actually yeah technically this is a fresh this is a breaking story this is exclusive <laughs> this is exclusive, exclusive breaking to sin news. 90.7 yeah guys this is why you should tune in because we provide you with all the breaking news <laughs> so alex breaking what's news happening water is wet also i have a story <laughs> Okay, so um, we talked about Steve Smith's incredible record at the MCG, and he actually hit um, a century against India. I talked about that knock a little bit earlier. He hit a hundred and what was it? Hang on, let me check. One hundred and ninety-two not out in. Oh, sorry, one hundred ninety-two in the first innings um, against India before he was eventually bowled by Umesh Yadav. Now, Umesh Yadav is. Um, one of my favourite players in cricket because he's just so gosh darn average. Like, <laughs> he's not a great player. He's not a bad player. He's like in and out of the side. When they go to Australia, they usually bring him along because they need somebody that can bowl around about 140 clicks. And he's just like, yeah, he's okay. <laughs> like, you can ask any cricket fan, what do you think of Umesh Yadav? And they'll be like, yeah, he's okay. He's, he's all right. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> he's quick, kind of wayward at times. He's all right. Now, personally, I have quite a strong fondness for Umesh Yadav. So when I, on day four of the test in Australia, was in the field, Umesh Yadav, bowling at the um, other end, came down to field at Fine Lake. Now, we were standing, I think I was sitting in row two of the ground. And you know what? I wasn't going to miss my opportunity. I had a bit of a good old chat with Umesh Yadav. (laughs) Oh, no. I then proceeded to spend the next 15 minutes... um, Yelling at Umesh Yadav. And this is probably where you start thinking, oh, he's the type of arsehole just yelling insults at Umesh Yadav. No, 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 no. If you're going to yell at players from the boundary line, you've got to do it right. So what you do is you yell at Umesh Yadav, you're a very talented cricketer. <laughs> it's it, just, just, <laughs> it loses all credibility, doesn't it? And everyone's just looking at you going, what are you doing? <laughs> so, I, I mean, I complimented Umesh Yadav on his hair complimented him on his bowling ability, just said after he, like one of his better overs, I'm like, oh, you know, that was a much better Romer, Umesh. Keep bowling her there. Top of off stuff. <laughs> Line and length. <laughs> Line and length. And um, after about half an hour of Umesh just kind of ignoring us, don't blame him, wonder why, um, he actually came over and signed a like little soft cricket ball that I have. So sitting at home somewhere, I have Umesh Yadav's signature, one of the finest players India has ever seen. Wait. Did he sign just yours because you were yelling at him, or did he sign oh, a bunch? They, they, he was, I think he signed one or two others, but he came over to us. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you're if you're listening, Umesh Yadav, I don't know why you're listening to some suburban radio in Australia, but if you're listening, I miss you. We should catch up sometime. Oh, that's actually really cool. <laughs> it's a good story. There's, Breaking uh, news. There's the Cricket by Dummies guide on how to get a signature. <laughs> you yell compliments at him, which kind of have a little twinge of like sarcasm <laughs> to them but they're mostly, they're mostly genuine. genuine but not really <laughs> uh we're gonna wrap up the show after this but first this is portugal the man with it's portugal the man with feel it still here on sin 90.7 fm you're listening to cricket by dummies as we wrap up our show for this week it's been a good week of cricket um one thing we will touch on is england are currently two for 132 alistair cook is 72 not out and seemingly cruising at the moment lock on us yeah alistair cook's doing well what did the newspapers say if he's doing well 
Al- Alice, Alice Cook, cook is, is cooking. cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Present tense. Yeah, it, it doesn't about quite... About to cook. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't quite sound the same, does it? No, it doesn't quite I don't the think the local it. newspapers would compliment Alistair Cook, though. That's just a hunch I've got. No, he's almost doubled his series tally in just this game. Um, 83 runs going into the series, and now he has 72. England looking good, unfortunately. <laughs> what a dim way to end the episode, honestly. It's been a pretty decent episode, and we have to unf- end on the unfortunate fortunate low note of, oh God, England might actually win this test. <laughs> yeah, it might actually be a scramble to win this test. Anyways. Oh, what a pity. We'll be back with more Cricket by Dummies next week. In the meantime, you can go onto our Omni Facebook page right now, either of which you can find all our previous episodes, including last week's, which is up there now. It's a great episode. Not really, but still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't pump up advertisement too much, Alex. Uh, just try we and keep sell it. it realistic. Yeah, that's what I like about Cricket by Dummies. We also have a new show um, we started last week called The Wacky World of Sports. Um, feel free to tune in. It is at 9 o'clock on CIN 9.7 FM. So today, can... yeah, 9, 9 p.m. Tonight? today till 9.30. It's just a half-hour show, so that's better for you guys, less of us. <laughs> And it's very much a free-for-all. So um, if you like listening to people be even more chaotic than we are on this show, then that's very much the thing for you. Yes, and Wacky World of Sports uh, is a pretty accurate description of the show. No, it's been a fun show, Alex. I hope you had a good time. I had a great time. Despite losing your voice the entire time. My voice is gone. It's absolutely gone. (laughs) Uh, Have a nice Wednesday, everyone. If you want to listen, we'll be on later at 9 o'clock tonight. If not, have a nice afternoon and go Australia. (laughs) My name's Alex Henry. My name's Chuck. Goodbye.